Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I am your host, Dan Harris, and you can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. It is time for our early look at next week's lines. With me to break it all down is our good friend, Rich Ryan, host of the Gridiron Gamble podcast. You can find Rich on Twitter at RichTRyan. Rich, thank you for joining us again. How are you? I'm great. Uh, we unfortunately are coming off of a one in four week in the Super Contest after they dangled a carrot in front of us and let us go 5-0 and in Week 13. So just when you think you're going to peak and there's light at the end of the tunnel, the betting gods punch you right in the face. I don't want you to be worried because I went 4-1 and one in the Super Contest this week, so I'm just riding high. I mean, that's coming off a of three and two weeks, so overall we're probably roughly equal over there. But yeah, man, I don't know. I felt like this week's games... They were okay. I felt like I had a good feel for it, other than I don't know why I ever continue to back the Jaguars. It's like I haven't processed yet that they are completely dunsies, and I just keep on like, well, you know, the Chargers. I'm not trusting the Chargers. I mean, let's be honest at this point. I think the Jaguars are going to get fired up with Minshew, and uh, that didn't work out quite Yeah, well, the, the so mania crashed, and we too had the Jags as one of our four losers, uh, so yeah. right there with you. Well, we'll talk about the line that's coming up for Week 15, and whatever it is, I will not be taking the Jaguars, but in the end, Rich and I are going to go through each game on the week on the week 15 slate. Uh, before we do, though, it is time to announce the winner of our Odell Beckham Jr. signed helmet giveaway. The winner is Clay from Dallas, Texas. Congratulations, Clay. Your helmet is on its way. Now, Clay actually put in an entry for the Christian McCaffrey helmet. But as I have told you, an entry into any contest gets you automatically entered into all future contests, which means if you have already entered our contest, you are automatically entered in for this month's giveaway, which is a signed Michael Thomas Saints helmet. Now, if you haven't entered, why don't you like free things? Clay from Texas likes free things. To enter, just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. And all of our helmet giveaways come from Pristine Auction, where they offer a ton of great memorabilia with thousands of auctions every single day. When you go there, use our promo code BETTINGPROS and win a free $5 voucher instantly. That's pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. All right, as I said, Rich and I are going to go through every game on the Week 15 slate, and we're going to be using the consensus odds over at bettingpros.com. That's basically the aggregate odds that you're going to find available in the marketplace as of right now when we record this on Monday night. All right, Rich, let's dive right in here with the Thursday night game. Our Jets taking on the Ravens in Baltimore. Ravens here are laying 14.5 with a total of 45. So, look, this is going to be ugly. I mean, the Jets eke out the win against the Dolphins, but they're banged up all over the place. It does sound like Le'Veon Bell is going to play. The Ravens, meanwhile, they continue to roll with their big win over the Bills. The defense is playing extremely well. Lamar Jackson is essentially unstoppable. So it is going to be gross, but is it going to be 14 and a half points gross or what? A lot of injuries here that we're going to have to stay tuned to, which makes it even worse for the short week heading into Thursday night football. Baltimore has fewer, but definitely two key injuries on offense. Ronnie Staley suffered a concussion, didn't practice today. And then uh, at the tight end position, Mark Andrews left with a knee injury on Sunday. He did not practice today. That is Monday as well. For the Jets, we know Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell missed on Sunday. So they're two players you need to keep your eye on. And then Ryan Griffin, Bilal Powell, and Quinnen Williams all left that game so bit of an injury reward 
on both sides of the ball. And to me, the biggest of those injuries is Jamal Adams. I was very intrigued about this matchup coming into this for the last few weeks. I was waiting to see Jamal versus Lamar. Stick 33 in the box, and maybe he can contain this electric quarterback and that read option offense. Without Jamal, I don't know how the Jets get stops in this game. Uh, Everyone piling on Baltimore, 70% of both the bets and the money. And if 33 is not on the field for the Jets, I kind of lean that way. As many points as that is, short week, Ravens banged up that for a couple tough games. But I just, how do the Jets get stops against this offense if their defense isn't healthy? Yeah, they're not going to be able to. I don't know whether or not I can really take the Ravens laying more than two touchdowns. I get it. Um, I'm not going to argue with it. I couldn't take the Jets at this point. It's a short week, so I don't think it's really going to move at this point. And as you said, the vast majority of the money is going to come in on the Ravens. Certainly the public is going to like them. Um, But yeah, I agree. And it's hard to see the Jets doing all that much on offense. I mean, with their offensive line being as terrible as it is, Darnold needs time to throw to be able to get into sort of a mode. With the injuries, I don't think Mark Andrews is going to be able to make it back. It sounds very minor, whatever it is, you know, his his contusion above his knee or whatever it is. But I I don't think he's going to they're going to force him on this short turnaround considering it's the Jets. But look, Hayden Hurst can can easily step up, you know, as he did this past Sunday. So for me, if you like this game, this is probably where it's going to end up. I'm not going anywhere near it. I completely get it, um, but I I cannot take a team, any team, against a Jets that Jets are a borderline competent team. I, I really can't take them, uh, a team giving them more than two touchdowns. At the same time, you bring up a good point. Adams probably not going to play. It's hard to see them keeping it at all close here. So for me, it's a complete stay away. But I think 14 and a half, 45 with only a couple of days before the line moves. I think that's probably where it's going to end up, whichever side you like. Let's real, move on to the- just one more. Sorry, real quick. The, Ra- the Ravens lead the league in blitz percentage as well. I saw a stat today. Earl Thomas has blitzed uh, or uh, filled like a run gap more frequently this season than he had his entire Seahawks career. And we saw on that Monday night specifically where Darnold was seeing ghosts. That's what he struggled with the most is pressure. So if they bring on that pressure and they've got uh, Humphrey and Peters and Jimmy Smith cooking outside, I don't know how the Jets move the ball either. So this might just be a nightmare scenario for getting good. It's going to be ugly. There's going to have to be like a crazy special teamers or a fumble that's run back for a touchdown or something like that to keep the Jets in it. But still, more than two touchdowns, I just... I can't get in on it. I'm staying away uh, either side. Let's move on to the Broncos at the Chiefs here. This is down a bit. Uh, it opened, or the look headline was 12 from what I'm seeing. It's currently at Chiefs laying 10.5, and, and the total has dropped as well from 47 to 45.5. A lot of that is probably the fact that Patrick Mahomes is dealing with this hand injury. Now, x-rays were negative, and Andy Reid said he should play, so I think you can probably expect him out there, although they're in this little bit of a weird position, right? They have no chance, really, to get one of the buys, almost certainly, given their record. I mean, maybe, I guess, but a pretty low chance to get it. They've got their division sewn up, so it's sort of like, do you really want to risk Mahomes you know, out there, if, if things are getting banged around, he'll play. But, you know, I think that's really the reason that you're seeing the spread and the total drop down. Um, they do come off the big win, of course, against the Patriots. Uh, Damian Williams might be back here. If not, I don't know who's going to be running 
the ball for the Chiefs. They don't like to give LaShawn McCoy all that many carries overall. Spencer Ware saw five carries. It's just kind of a mess back there. Meanwhile, the Broncos, they come up with a huge win over the Texans. They're not nearly as bad as their record indicates, but they're a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. They've been on a great cover streak. I believe it's seven of their last nine games. So big spread here. Chiefs at home, 10.5 with a total of 45.5. Both teams' stock soaring right now. Broncos were plus nine, win outright. They've won two in a row with their new shiny rookie quarterback. And then Patrick Mahomes and company go into Foxborough and beat them for what I think was their first loss at home in 22 games. So you're not really getting much value with either team here. It is interesting that you did bring up that 12.5 look ahead, now down to 10.5. I think we might see it continue to go down because the Broncos are getting both the majority of the tickets and the money. So if you do like the Broncos, you probably should grab them as soon as possible if you can get the hook. But it seems like all the value excuse me, is being sucked out of this line if you like Denver. Uh, overall, I think it's a very fair line, and that is an interesting point you bring up. I, I didn't think about the Chiefs and their positioning within uh, both the division and the conference, and it's not like Matt Moore's looked poor under center. Credit to Eddie, Andy Reid and his offense. So this is just a very fair line now that it's moved off that 12.5 look ahead, and uh, I'm not really interested in buying either team off of really big wins last week. Yeah, neither am I. I, I think at 10.5, the value is still with the Broncos. So I still think, sort of as you mentioned, if you do want them, it's probably a time you get in on them before it drops down to 10, which, you know, I think it might. Again, I expect Mahomes to play. I didn't mean to suggest that he's going to get shut down, but I do think that they're going to be pretty careful with him because I think they're in a kind of unique position here where there's three games left and their position is probably pretty set at this point. I mean, they could get a bye. I don't want to, I don't want to poo-poo it, but you know, with the Pats, you know, playing the Bengals and and the Ravens playing the Jets, it it just seems unlikely that they're going to go in that direction. So they'll probably be careful with Mahomes. It doesn't mean he's going to sit, but for me, it's just something where he's a little banged up. It's not something I really want to go anywhere. If I have to choose something right now, I don't really care about the total, but I would lean the Broncos at 10 and a half. Once it gets to 10 or even single digits, I just kind of want to stay away. Moving on, Bucks at the Lions. The Bucks laying four, the total at 47.5. We have some weirdness in this game, my friend. Mike Evans almost certainly out after hurting his hamstring. James Winston comes off a huge game, but he has a small fracture in his thumb. He was getting a second opinion today. I have not seen it. The early word sounded like he wouldn't miss any time. Of course, he got taken out briefly right around halftime to get that looked at and he played great after that for the most part so looks like he should be able to play but who knows and of course you're in that position where he takes a bad hit or something like that on his thumb who knows what happens to him meanwhile the lions are the lions david blau doesn't do all that much the defense doesn't do all that much nobody does all that much ever but they kind of hang around for the most part in games how do you feel here about the bucks laying four in the total at 47 and a half Yeah, that Winston injury, reminiscent of the Browns the previous week. Baker hits his thumb before halftime, gets removed, and then comes back at the start of the third quarter. (sighs) Bucks coming off three straight wins. A somewhat good Jameis game? I I, I guess we can just throw out interceptions. They're just to be expected at this point. You understand, right? Every Jameis game is going to have a minimum of two or three turnovers. So the fact that he just put up the stats, you're right. You just throw out all those interceptions. Counting stats legend Jameis Winston. 
Uh, I think he's a favorite now to lead the league in yards, touchdowns, and interceptions, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, yeah, I am never buying the Bucks off of three straight wins as road favorites in 2019. I know the Lions are bad. I know something blow or blow is horrific, but I just don't have it in my fiber to click the Buccaneers in this spot. So I'm going to close my eyes, pinch my nose, and probably take the four in this spot with Detroit. Yeah, I hate to do this because it's the third straight game, but I'm avoiding this game. Super Contest is going to be tough, man, because we've got just, you know, all these lines where I'm like, nope, don't want any piece of that. It's very difficult here. Ordinarily, I honestly, I would lean the Bucks because I think they're playing better overall. I think their horrific secondary has been a little bit better. I think their offense is very difficult to stop. And it's really tough with the Lions at this point. I mean, what do you really have to go for? David Blau is not a guy who should be quarterbacking in the NFL regularly anyway. So on a normal day, I would take the Bucks at four. But you, what's interesting, the Evans injury, you've got the Winston sort of, you know, uncertainty, and yet the line has not moved. It has stuck at minus four. So with all of that, it's just not something I really want to go near. And I don't want to back the Bucks on a good day. So, I, you know, for me, kind of in that same vein, it's a stay away for me. But if I, you know, I, I won't even say where I'd go if I had to choose a side because I don't want to have to choose a side. If anything, I kind of like the over on the total 47 and a half. I think the Lions are going to be able to put up points. You know, considering the Bucks secondary, although it is getting better, they're still not going to be able to completely contain Kenny Galladay. So I do see the Lions being able to put up some points here. And you know the Bucks, who basically go over on every single game, are probably going to get there. So if anything, I lean over on the total of 47.5 where it is right now. But for the spread, I'm not really going near it. Let's move on to the Texans at the Titans. This is a good one. Titans here are laying 2.5 at home. With a total of 50 up from 48.5, this is really for the South, it appears. The Texans, they're all over the place. They beat the Patriots in convincing fashion, then they get blown out by the Broncos. Their past defense had played much better of late, but they struggled on Sunday. Will Fuller again misses the game with an injury, so his status is certainly something to monitor. Meanwhile, the Titans come off a huge win against the Raiders. This is one I talked about last week, Rich. I did not understand the Titans laying a field goal to the Raiders. I understand that they had... All the, they were going cross country and they, you know, were close on a couple of games where obviously they they pulled out a few games that they easily could have lost, like against the Colts and against the Chiefs and against the Bucks. But Ryan Tannehill is playing extremely, extremely well. Derrick Henry is a scary man when it starts getting cold. He is battling through that hamstring injury, but he looked like he was okay. The defense continues to play well overall. So you got a divisional game here. Both teams really desperate for the win. Titans now laying under a field goal two and a half with a high total of fifty. Yeah, and this was a one-and-a-half look-ahead, so moving in the direction of the Titans, they're getting credit with this massive winning streak and the performances that Ryan Tannehill is putting together. Texans, last week, massively inflated line. They got, I think it moved from 7 and a half to 9, thanks to their victory against the Patriots, and then they go out and lay an absolute stinker that we referenced earlier with the Broncos coming into town. I think this line is fair. And if I had to choose, I think I might take Houston just because I need to sell this Titans touchdown offensive efficiency. Ryan Tannehill looking like Joe Montana because my eyes have seen Ryan Tannehill play too poorly in the past for me to buy these recent performances as something that are indicative going forward. I will say my favorite aspect of this game is the total 
Uh, I like playing the under 50 in this game. I think because the stakes are so high, like you said, for the South, I think this will be a little more of a grindier game than most people expect. And then, yeah, the, the Tannehill regression is a real thing, and the Titans' defense is excellent. So I think the Texans might be held in check as well. So I think really close game, really fair line, but give me the under on 50 in this game. I think it'll be a little more low scoring than people think. Yeah, I honestly, I agree with you on the total for sure. I think this is, you know, you got a divisional game. You, they, actually, oddly enough, I mean, we're in week 15. These teams haven't played yet. I mean, they're playing again in week 17, which is a little weird. But so, you know, when you have the second game with a divisional game, I feel like, well, the teams really know what they're about. They don't have that here. But either way, I agree with you. And the Texans defense overall, I mean, I know they had a bad game against the Broncos, but overall they've been playing a little bit better even without J.J. Watt. So I do find this to be closer to a defensive struggle. So I also like the under 50. I admit, though, and my bosses tease me because they know now I'm like all in on the Titans suddenly. But if I had to lean one way or another, if you're under a field goal, I like the Titans. I'm kind of buying Ryan Daniel right now. I mean, I don't know whether on it was Miami but the thing is I've watched him really closely he is playing really really well this isn't fluky right now you know not only is he doing it with his legs but he's making good reads he's incredibly accurate at the moment I get he has a whole career of mediocrity behind him but with the way he's playing right now I'm really am backing it and more so than him, it's really Henry. Man, he did this last year where he got going at the end of the year, and he you just don't want to tackle him. Once it gets a little cold, you, you, who wants to tackle that guy at this point? He's playing great, so as long as he's healthy, I would lean slightly towards the Titans. I'm not sure if I'm willing to bet it, but under the key number of three, I lean that way. But the big thing here, I agree with you, is the total at 50. And again, it's trended up. I like it now that you can get in and certainly get some value there. Moving on here to the Dolphins at the Giants. Giants here are currently laying a field goal with a total of 47 and a half. We are recording this in the middle of the Giants-Eagles game. It's approaching halftime, so we don't know exactly what happens here, but it's going to be Eli Manning under center again next week. Daniel Jones has basically been giving a two- to four-week timetable, so he's probably going to miss this game. Meanwhile, the Dolphins continue to play hard, but they lose Devontae Parker to a concussion. Albert Wilson gets injured. Two really bad teams. This line is just basically, I think, bookmakers being like, I don't know. Go ahead. You know, let, let get somebody give us something on this. So what are you giving us at Giants laying a field goal total at 47 and a half? I think back-to-back trips to the Meadowlands and MetLife Stadium is one of the worst punishments that you can dole out to this historically bad <laughs> Dolphins team. Yeah, on the surface... I want to lay the points with the Giants just because the Dolphins truly have reverted to the form that they uh, showed in the first couple of weeks of the season. But I'm not really in love with other side uh, on the spread. So again, I'm going to revert to the total and I'm going to go to the other side and maybe the uh, the fish side here. And that's the over on 47 and a half. This game is defense sold separately, Uh, and specifically the Dolphins have been playing these massively uh, high totals the last couple of weeks, 57, 65, 68. And then last week against our beloved Jets, the total was 43, but the Dolphins kicked seven field goals. So even if they turn half of those drives or three out of seven into touchdown drives, uh, this shoots well over 47.5. So I I think the lack of defense fits as... Uh, ability to push the ball down the field at all costs is intriguing. The one thing I will say on this is that if neither Devontae Parker nor Albert Wilson go, both were uh, taken out with concussions on Sunday, I'm less excited 
about this 47.5, but even if we get one of those guys, I think this is shooting over. You don't have faith in Alan Hearns? Man, I mean, he can get some stuff done. I actually, uh, I, I'll be honest, I, I, maybe it's partly because I, you never know with concussions. You don't know what's going to happen. But, I, you know, I, I'm sure they're going to be careful with Parker at this point. He's been great. I kind of lean the under, actually. I mean, I get you make good points uh, in this game. But if you do have Parker injured, and let's let's just, you know, again, you, you're basically putting that as a qualifier. I'm kind of not expecting him to play at the moment. And really, look, I mean, this game that I'm watching, you know, the Eagles certainly have a, a decent defense and it's in the rain. But the Giants with Eli Manning do not strike me as a team who's going to be able to move the ball and put up significant amount of points, even against the Dolphins defense. So for me, 47 and a half, I mean, it's a solid number. I kind of lean the under at this point. But again, it a little bit is dependent on whether Parker, Albert Wilson, whatever. It's really about Parker. He is the guy who makes it go. So if Parker plays, I'd probably stay away from the total overall. But if he doesn't play, I'm all over the under here. At 47 and a half with the spread, I just, no. I have no interest in betting on the Giants against the Dolphins with a three-point spread. So I would stay away from it there. Let's move on to the Seahawks at the Panthers. Seahawks here are laying six and the total at 48 and a half. Panthers just a sinking ship here. Kyle Allen is going to remain the starter, but their defense has totally caved in. Seahawks, meanwhile, they get beaten up pretty good by the Rams on Sunday Night Football. They lose Rashad Penny. The over-under for carries for Chris Carson against this abysmal run defense is like 28 or something like that. Is that going to be enough with the Seahawks laying six in Carolina and a total at 48.5? Yeah, ACL injury for Rashad Penny, which is just absolutely brutal for the kid. They finally got him going after stubbornly sending Chris Carson for one yard in a cloud of dust for several weeks this season, and then the kid goes out and suffers an ACL injury, which, I mean, it's just brutal. Uh yeah, the Hawks are one of the few teams in 2019 that want to run the ball, establish it, as the kids say nowadays. And as you noted, the Panthers are an absolute triage unit up front on the defensive line, and this is absolutely the way to attack them. So, man, six is just so, so many points. Four was the look ahead. Seahawks go out and look horrific in primetime, and the line moves in the other direction just because the Panthers seem to have quit, lose their coach, go on the road, look completely lethargic. If you think the Carolina Panthers will show any signs of professional pride and go out and play a football game like normal, then I think you have to like the plus six in this spot. But that is completely uncertain now that they've lost their coach and with the effort they gave last week against a pretty poor Falcons team. So the the sharp person inside me is screaming to take the six points, but you need some real intestinal fortitude in order to fire that. Yeah, I mean, the sharp side is probably the Panthers, and I don't mind to be square on this one because I'm all over the Seahawks if you get them under a touchdown. Look, I faded the Panthers. You know, I've been fading them lately. Certainly faded them against the Falcons this week. Uh, They're just done, dude. Like, I get you didn't have the fired-our coach, you know, let's rally around and maybe make that a thing. No, they're done. Their defense looks like they have absolutely no interest in tackling anyone whatsoever. They're just going to play out the season. And, you know, the Seahawks coming off that loss now, 
they got to, I mean, they're, they're going to be hungry. They're obviously in the dog fight to, you know, whether they might be the number one seed, they might be the number five seed. It's a big difference there. You know, they, they're going to look to get back on track here. Six is a lot under a touchdown. Now I feel completely fine with it. Honestly, if you get up to that key number of seven, I'm probably going to stay away. But if you, I get six is a big number. Don't care if you, I think the Panthers are completely done. I think that the books have not fully adjusted to what they are at this point. So for me, I don't really care about the total, but at laying six, I'm going to take that, and I'm not going to hesitate, really, personally. Before I move on, I want to tell everyone about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. You do not have to run up to the counter anymore to place a bet. With the BetMGM Sports app, you can place a bet right from your phone. Here's all you need to do. Search for the BetMGM Sports app in your app store. Download it and sign up for an account. And when you sign up, you're going to want to use our promo code HARRIS, because when you do, you're going to get a risk free $500 bet. If you lose your first bet, BetMGM is going to credit you the amount you lost up to $500 for future wagers. And these things where you're basically given like guaranteed winning bets are kind of a frequent thing with BetMGM. This past weekend, if you placed a $1 money line bet on the Patriots to beat the Chiefs, then you won $100 just because Tom Brady completed a single pass, even though the Patriots lost the game. There are a ton of great things on the app, but you need to sign up for an account and use our promo code Harris. These winnings are paid in free bets. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet, and certain restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions, and if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's move on to an intriguing divisional game here. Bears at the Packers. Packers are currently laying four. This has been trending down now for a while. The total at 41. Bears are starting to feel it a little bit. Mitchell Trubisky has played very well of late. The Bears need to win out to have any shot at the playoffs. They are down Rokon Smith here on defense. He's going to miss the rest of the season with the torn peck. Meanwhile, the Packers beat the Redskins, but they just do not have that killer instinct at the moment. The offense works, but it rarely clicks on all cylinders. They are beatable on the ground. That's not really where the Bears sort of shine. David Montgomery is capable, but he hasn't really gotten going. So how do you feel here? Bears visiting the Packers. Packers now laying just four with a total of 41. Yeah, look ahead seven and a half. Yep. And now we're down to four. I know Mitchell Trubisky's looked good, but and they have the mini buy, the couple extra days of rest, but that is certainly a plummet. But just like you said, what is this Packers offense averaging 18.8 points per game since Halloween? I I don't know what to make of this squad. Uh, you you talk a lot of people are talking about the Patriots and they're trying to give Brady a pass because guys aren't getting open, but. Uh, outside of Devontae Adams, the Packers are having the same issues in guys getting open. And then Rodgers is kind of doing this thing where, kind of like Deshaun Watson, in clean pockets, he's just breaking down and, and freelancing a little bit, and it's just all a bit odd. All of that being said, uh, with this line as depressed as it is, I think you have to like the home team at four. I'm not buying into this Bears resurgence. Much of that has to do with them playing a Lions team with their third-string quarterback and then a Cowboys team, which cannot compete against teams with a pulse, it seems. So give me the Packers at four. Very strange line movement off of seven and a half being looked yeah, at. I, I think if you like the Packers, this is where you got to get them. I, I don't think it's going lower than this because, as you said, it has moved a ton 
uh, coming in. So I kind of agree with you. I, it's more of a game where I don't have a great feeling for it. But if I had to pick a side, it would be the Packers at this point because four is just too little for a divisional game, for a team playing at home. Um, you know, the defense hasn't been quite as strong, but it's still there. It's still solid against the pass. And I don't think the Bears really have that run uh, ability that's going to be able to take advantage of where the Packers' real deficiency is on defense. So I think this is probably where it starts stops. I don't think it's getting down to three or anything like that. So if you like the Packers as you do, as I kind of do, I think this is a spot to get them because I could see this closing back closer to five uh, as the sharp guys probably come in and realize the value there. Let's move on to the Patriots at the Bengals. Patriots here laying eight and a half with a total of 40 and a half. Can you do it, Rich? Can you take the Patriots here? They look terrible offensively. Tom Brady has that giant wrap on his elbow. The defense has not been elite, but then there are the Bengals. Joe Mixon, <laughs> Tyler Boyd, I don't really have all that much to say about them. I mean, they look a little better with Andy Dalton back there, but they're just not a good football team. So how do you feel here about the Patriots visiting the Bengals? Eight and a half, total of 40 and a half. I would have taken them at the 10 and a half look ahead, and I certainly would have taken them at the 10 open as well. But people are pounding the Bengals down to eight and a half because they're realizing that this Patriots offense is not good enough to cover these large spreads. I mean, they absolutely dominated a team like the Cowboys a couple weeks ago, right? You, you, you walk away from that game thinking that the Cowboys had really no shot, and the Patriots couldn't extend, never could extend the lead, never could get the ball in the end zone. And I don't foresee them being able to do that for the rest of the season. And the one thing that the Patriots want to do on defense is they want to funnel you to run the ball. And the Bengals want to run the ball despite being a bad team. Joe Mixon has actually gotten it going here these last couple of weeks. Dalton is back, and he's not the greatest, but he's probably replacement level where that's not the type of quarterback play they were getting. So I think all of the value has unfortunately already been sucked out of this line, but even at 8.5, I still shade the home team. The Patriots are just not good enough to be laying a number that's this large on the road. There's got to come a point, man. There's got to come a point where they just take all their anger from the last couple of games and just let it explode on someone. And, you know, eight and a half, I lean the paths. I really do. I agree that they're, you know, they're not they're not nearly in the same class right now as they were at any point over the last several years. But the Bengals are just a really terrible football team. They really are. They're a little bit more competent with Andy Dalton, but I don't foresee them being able to move the ball very well. I mean, Auden Tate is probably going to miss this game as well. So it's really just Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon. And, you know, you know what Belichick does. He takes away whatever you do best. That's probably going to be Mixon, even though, again, they want to funnel the run, as you said. They're probably going to focus on taking Mixon away. I think the Bengals are going to have a tough time scoring. And I think the Patriots are going to be able to do enough with their scheme, you know, they don't have the playmakers at the moment. It's really Julian Edelman. That's it. I don't know. Maybe Sony Michelle gets a bunch of carries, but I feel like this is a, a spot where the Patriots, and they have to, by the way, because the Bills are playing extremely well, as you know, that both teams lost this past weekend, but the Bills are right on their heels. They cannot take a chance of having the Bills catch them. I think they're going to pull out all the stops here. I think they're going to cover it at eight and a half. If it was at 10 or 10 and a half, like you mentioned earlier, yeah, at that point, the value is with the Bengals. But here, 
I don't know, man. Just got a feeling that this is kind of a spot where they're going to look to get right. I don't love it, but if I'm forced to take a side, I'll go with the Pats at 8.5. Let's go on to the Eagles at the Redskins. Eagles here are laying 6 and the total at 40.5. Again, the Eagles game is going on right now. Alshon Jeffrey has been carted off. I think Lane Johnson left, trying to watch it out of the corner of my eye. So they are just dropping like flies. They've also played terribly of late the Redskins meanwhile they keep it close against the Packers they have lost Darius Geis they love to run the ball all day and that is the Eagles strength so it really doesn't set up well for the Redskins but how do you feel here about the Eagles laying six in Washington with a total of 40 and a half yeah the Eagles one of the few uh pass funnel defenses in the league right they want you to run the ball because that's how they can stop you while their secondary is just below average we're seeing Eli Manning look like a competent quarterback in 2019 on the road, which is something that should not be happening. That being said, Eagles minus six on the road is just plain stupid, in my opinion. Uh, They need to be able to, in order to be minus six on the road in professional football, you need to get out to leads and then extend leads. That's the only way that you consistently cover these numbers on the road in pro football. And the Eagles offense has just not been able to do that whatsoever. And you can blame it on Wentz. You can blame it on this receiving core, which has not been healthy the entire year, lack of a running game, what have you. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Eagles offense just is flat bad and they're not going to be able to cover six consistently enough Washington even when they're behind even when they have no chance of winning they just run the life out of the game Bill Callahan just wants to line it up and run the football which doesn't make sense if you want to win a football game but if you're holding a plus six ticket and you just want to see that clock tick off it is certainly in your favor. So Washington, I talked about professional pride earlier, and will the Panthers show it? I know Washington will show it. They're 3-10, and 10, but they still go out there. They fight in the trenches. They play defense. They run the ball. Not sexy things, but very sexy when you're holding a plus-six ticket at home. So give me the Washington professional football team. Yeah, I agree. Other than the Seahawks, this one is, oddly enough, my favorite one that we've gone through so far. I certainly like the Redskins. My guess is that the spread is going to drop after, you know, uh, pretty coming up soon, given all the injuries that the Eagles are suffering tonight. So if you like it, I'd lock it in. And I also, you made a good point with uh, running the ball constantly may not be good for catching up, but it's good for sort of keeping the game close. It also is good for running out the clock and keeping a low total. So for me, given both teams' struggles on offenses, 40 and a half, it's not particularly uh, high, of course. It's a low total, but I still like this game to come in as under. So I'm going to be locking in both of those bets right after this podcast um, because I feel pretty good about them. But yeah, it's a crazy, crazy world. But the Redskins getting six from the Eagles is one of my favorite bets that we've gone through so far. Let's move on to the Browns at the Cardinals. Browns laying three with a total of 48. The Browns beat the Bengals, but they just kind of look like they don't really care about life. Right now, Odell Beckham Jr. playing through a sports hernia. Baker Mayfield looks like he forgot to set his alarm, and he rolled out of bed and barely got to the game on time. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have lost several games in a row. The defense continues to be subpar. Kyler Murray having a little bit of trouble getting things going against some tough defenses. It'll be a little bit easier for him here. So how do you feel about the Browns laying three with a total of 48? What are the Browns doing? Why do they win football games and then have these super strange things happen, whether it's Miles Garrett attacking the quarterback with a helmet or uh, Baker Mayfield throwing the entire training staff under the bus. Like, these things are happening after wins. What, what, 
What's going to happen I mean, if this team goes on a losing clear. streak? Just to be clear, though, you knew, right? Everybody knew this was a possibility. You got oh, yeah. that group of guys together, and if they struggled, it was going to be a powder keg. So this is it's a dysfunctional, dysfunctional uh, atmosphere at the moment. What a strange team. And yet, I think they're actually a decent <laughs> play in this spot. How do the Cardinals get stops? They, they just... Uh, something Duck Hodges walked in there with no Juju, no Connor, and went out and scored points in professional football on the road. Like, these things should not be happening. And as as clown as the Browns act uh, from Monday to Saturday, on Sunday, this offense has been clicking specifically with the return of Kareem Hunt and Freddie Kitchens rolling out this 21 offense with both backs on the field. They've just been fantastic. So I, I think two and a half is a is a bit uh two and a half look ahead was a bit short. I think it's more respectable where it is at the full three. Uh but I still think there's a little bit of value on Cleveland. My favorite bet is the over on forty eight though. We all know uh Cliff and Kyler they're running at the fastest pace in the league, almost twenty five seconds flat per play in games that they are in. Uh, they're not going downfield as much as I'd like them to. The horizontal raid has been bleeding my eyes out for uh, 14 weeks now, but they actually started to push the ball downfield last week, albeit against a great defense, and it ended up in three interceptions. But what do you guys have to lose? Let's just start throwing the rock downfield and let Kyler cook. So I like the over on 48 in this game between the Browns and the Cardinals. I don't love the spread. I just don't trust either team at this point. I could see the Cardinals pulling out this victory at this point at home, one of their last chances to really get right. But I completely agree with you on the total. I think both teams are going to go a little crazy here. I think it's just going to be a lot of touchdowns. I think the Cardinals are going to be extremely happy to not have to be looking at teams like the Steelers, you know, and, and, and tough defenses that they've had to face of late. So I can see this one really going well over the total 40. It's a, you know, not a crazy number. It's a high number, but I think they're going to sort past it. So that's really the bet I like on this game. The total I'm probably going to stay away from. I just do not trust the Browns to be able to, as, as you know, as much as I see them scoring, I don't really see them stopping the Cardinals at this point either. Let's move on to the game that only betters are going to be watching the Jaguars at the Raiders. Raiders here are laying six, the total is at 45 and a half. It's who wants it least in this game. I mean, both teams just look like they've completely quit. The Jaguars continue to get absolutely blown out. They're probably down DJ Chark in this game. The defense cannot stop anybody. But they're also the Raiders, who don't have Hunter Renfro anymore. They lost Foster Moreau. They're playing without any pep whatsoever. So how do you feel here about the Raiders at home link six with a total of 45 and a half? Poor Josh Jacobs takes the shot uh, before the game. Thinks he's going to go, but he gets ruled out. Uh, he's got he's, a fractured shoulder, dude. I yeah. mean, I don't know how long you're going to talk. I mean, he may play. He was he was close to playing last week, so he may play in this game, but who knows? Tough guy, you know. <laughs> As I sit here complaining about, uh, you know, 55-degree weather here in Southern California being too cold, this guy has a fractured shoulder, and he's trying to play, play pro football. So good on uh, the rookies. Had a great campaign. This is just too many points, right? Raiders laying six. I know the Jaguars were horrific last week. I know uh, Gardner Minshew has those blow-up games in him. DJ Chark on the injury report, very concerning. I understand all of these things, but I cannot abide by the Raiders being minus six in pro football here in 2019. So another, just like the Lions, 
Close your eyes. Pinch your nose. Take the points. No. I mean, I'm not going with the Raiders. I promise you that. But I'm not going with the Jaguars. There's just no way I can. I can go with the total, though, because I think both teams are going to be able to put up a lot of points right now. I mean, if Jacobs plays great, you know, DeAndre Washington was more than competent at this point. Jalen Richard is used to getting in there and catching passes. I, I think the Raiders are going to be able to put up points, which, again, they did against the Titans. I think they put up 21. They're able to score some. I think the Jaguars, I mean, their offense is not incompetent. You know, they didn't have a great game, of course, against the Chargers. But I think even without Chark, who I expect to miss this game, I think they're still going to be able to put up points. I think Leonard Fournette is going to run wild. And obviously running is not great for the over. But 45 and a half, no. I think the defenses are going to struggle here to stop anybody. But I get you. I mean, the Raiders laying six to any team right now you'd be like give me that but again i've lost much money on the jaguars of late they're not a team that i can back with any semblance of confidence let's move on here to the vikings at the chargers the vikings laying two and a half with a total of 44 and a half down from 46 i don't think i bet correctly this season for or against the chargers so take this for what you will but to me this line seems way too little i think the vikings should be laying more than a field goal. I get that the Chargers are better than their record. They blew out a quitting Jags team. They got Derwin James back. The Vikings are a good football team. Yeah, their pass defense is not special. And yeah, they're having to travel all the way out west. But less than a field goal? I, I don't know, man. I, I think that, you know, whether or not Adam Thielen returns in this game, I think their offense is plenty capable of moving the ball well. I get that the Chargers' run defense has been better, especially of late. Melvin Ingram has made their defense stronger, but I think the Vikings have a really, really solid offense. I think they can score on anyone, and I just, I don't get this. Under field goal. So for me, I really like the Vikings laying two and a half. Total 44 and a half, I'm, I'm indifferent about, but how do you feel here with uh, that spread and that total? Adrian Phillips, Phillips back in that secondary as well, next to Derwin James. Uh, I've been on a full fade of the Chargers this season, and it's worked out pretty well in spots like that Denver game where they were somehow road favorites going to mile high. I thought last week was going to be a repeat, as we mentioned at the top. Both of us were on the yeah. Jags in the Super Contest. Uh, that did not go over well. And that's where you kind of get this half point of love for the Chargers. This was a plus three look-ahead line, which I right. agree with you. I think that's more of a fair number, but it has ticked down to two and a half. I am afraid of Kirk Cousins on the road outdoors. I'm still not a believer in him. I don't like if Thielen's not in this game, but my gut is telling me that this Chargers team is still... Well below average. Uh, Philip Rivers is still, you know, seconds away from stepping away from the game. But I don't know. It's suspiciously low. They're begging yeah. me to take the the Vikings. So I think I just have to press pause on this game and uh, step away. I, you know, I completely get that. It, it is a line where I looked at it and be like, why do you want me to take the Vikings? What, What's wrong? What's wrong with taking the Vikings? You want me to take the Vikings? I don't understand. This is problematic. But sometimes I just take the Vikings in that situation anyway. If I look at it and I run the numbers and everything sort of comes out that way, it does. Look, the Chargers are a tough team to get a read on because they're better than their record. They could have, you know, 
been much better this season. But in the end, look, the Vikings, they stopped the run pretty well. They're vulnerable against the pass. But if you're going to tell me that, you know, Phillip Rivers is going to have to take this game and win it, I'm willing to risk that. And I have a little more faith in Cousins than you do. I think he's played extremely well this year with or without Thielen. Uh, I think they can get going, especially given their run game, which is strong all around. And Cook looks like he was fully healthy, you know, and if not, Alexander Madison is perfectly capable of stepping in. So I'm going to be on the Vikings right now so long as we're underneath a field goal. Let's move on to the Falcons at the 49ers. 49ers currently laying 10.5 with a total of 47. The Falcons come off the drubbing of the Panthers. Their offensive line is getting a bit healthier, but they do lose Calvin Ridley, one of their best wide receivers. He's out now for the season with an abdomen uh, injury. The 49ers, meanwhile, they win the monstrous game against the Saints. But they're coming off two really, really tough games here. The first one against the Ravens, this one against the Saints, they're dealing with a ton of injuries. Their center is down. They're down Richard Sherman. They're down D Ford. They're really, really struggling right now with the injuries. But they're obviously the superior team here. So how do you feel about the 49ers laying 10.5 at home with a total of 47? Yeah, despite that marquee win, this line does not move off of the 10.5 look ahead, which is a bit surprising because I don't think the Falcons' victory last week was earth-shattering in any way, shape, or form. I lean a tiny bit to the Niners in this spot because I think the Falcons are more of the team that we saw the first half of the season than the team that we've seen in the last couple of weeks where they got a pair of wins against a Panthers team that has revealed itself to be a bit fraudulent. And there's just something about Matt Ryan going across the country outdoors without one of his marquee weapons that makes me very weary about... Uh, taking them in the spot. That being said, you mentioned the two games. The game before that, it was a bit of a boat racing uh, by the Niners. But that Niners-Packers game, a lot goes went into that game in terms of scheming. So three exhausting games in a row. So while I like the Niners, I don't love the Niners, what I do love is the under on 47. Uh, I think the Niners are very interested in getting back to their style of football, which is not... 80 points in a dome. It is lining up and running the football in a lot of different ways. Getting the ball to Breda, Juszczyk, Mostert, guys on jet sweeps, and just dominating at the line of scrimmage. So I like the under on 47. I think the Niners go out and and win this one pretty handily. So I I do shade that 10.5, but I feel like they might run the life out of this game and kind of just take advantage of a subpar Falcons defense. Yeah, that's a good call. I don't really love either of these numbers. I honestly would have leaned towards the Falcons with Ridley there. It's a wide receiver. It doesn't really affect the number, you know, significantly. But Ridley is a fantastic football player. And I think without him being there as that second option, I know Austin Hooper's back, Devonta Freeman's back. But without Ridley being there for that second option, even though the Niners are down Richard Sherman, I think they're going to be able to try to take Julio Jones out of this game. And that's going to really make the Falcons struggle at the same time. I don't love it when you're over 10. That just makes me a little nervous because the Falcons, the one thing about them, I was one of the many who was calling for Dan Quinn to be fired earlier in the season. They continue to play hard. I get, you know, you don't want to read too much into, you know, beating up on the quitting Panthers team, but they continue to play tough. It's just not a team that I'm really looking to fade when they're getting double digits at this point. So this is probably going to be a game that I'll stay away from. I do like your call on the under. Again, not something I'm, I'm overly excited about, but I do like that, you know, your point, they're probably going to, want to get back to their bread and butter a little bit, especially with how good Mostert looked this past weekend. 
Let's move on to the Rams at the Cowboys. This one is trending down. The Cowboys were laying three, and the Rams come out, and they beat up uh, on the Seahawks. And the Cowboys are currently laying one, and the total has ticked up to 49. The Rams, as I mentioned, they're starting to peak a little bit here. The defense is playing out of its mind. Todd Gurley looks fresh. Robert Woods has finally gotten involved. The Cowboys, on the other hand, look awful. They're lifeless against both the Bills and the Bears. The defense is playing down. Amari Cooper is clearly battling through injury. So how do you feel here about the Cowboys laying one with the total of 49? We talked about an interesting line move in that Bears-Packers game. This was Cowboys minus four last week. And now the Cowboys are plus one at home. Have two teams ping-ponged more than the Rams and the Cowboys this season. Rams obviously coming off of a Super Bowl performance. McVay, the genius, they start off horrifically their offensive line. Kind of puts them in a horrific situation. Offense can't get going. Cowboys light the world on fire to start the season and now have regressed now that they've actually played a couple of good teams. Uh, this line movement is kind of crazy to me. Uh, I have to take the Cowboys here. I like the Cowboys' money line. Uh, If you're queasy about that, I think the Cowboys are a great teaser candidate, getting them up to plus seven at home. They've got the mini-buy. This is the season on the line, and I'm I'm still not bought in to this Rams team. Their team is very obvious to figure out. Like I said, if you can get pressure on the quarterback, uh, then you will have success against them. And I think... Lawrence, Quinn, and the guys up front will be able to do enough to at least slow down this Rams offense. So I'm going to sell a peaking Rams stock and buy a plummeting Cowboys stock. Stock high, stock low. Give me the low stock here. By the way, you made the good catch. I said it was the Cowboys laying one, which it was the last time I checked, like two hours ago, and it's Cowboys, you're right, plus one now. So that is a giant giant line move i don't think i could bring myself to back the cowboys at this point but i do see this as kind of something where the rams just that's a huge win over the seahawks on sunday night football it's obviously a little bit of a short week for them i think it's really tough to get up for this game at this point now going into dallas so i i think the cowboys are the sharper side i don't know if i'm really there to bet it just because, oh my God, the Cowboys are just <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Look completely disinterested in, in winning football games. I think they're not going to be able to run the ball as really as well as they need to. I think Jalen Ramsey can take out Cooper. So it's just a game where I think I'm going to stay away. But, you know, the, the, you know, when it was the Cowboys laying four, I saw it laying three when I first saw it. That's a spot where I was taking the Rams and I was not hesitating. At this point now that <laughs> the Cowboys are getting one, the sharp side is the Cowboys, but I'm you're a braver man than I am. I just don't <laughs> think I could pull the trigger on this team at this point. Let's move on to the Bills at the Steelers. This line has also moved. I saw it to look at it. Steelers laying one. It's now up to Steelers laying two and a half. The total, an abysmally low 36 and a half. I might like the under. I'm not even joking. The Bills finally lose one here. A tough game against Baltimore. They were in it right up until the end. Now they have to travel to Pittsburgh. They're flexed to Sunday night football. They take on a team that looks like it has absolutely no business being in the playoffs, but they continue to hold their own regardless of who they're playing. 
You can argue with Duck Hodges and the Steelers' offense. Maybe they get James Conner back here. You can't argue with their defense, though, which has been absolutely elite over the last, I don't know, 10 weeks or so. They win a close one against the Cardinals in Arizona. How do you feel here about the Steelers at home, Sunday night football, laying two and a half with the total of 56 and a half? Buffalo's only about 200 miles from the Berg, so the Mafia might be out. This is, what, 10 years, they were saying, since last time the Bills were on Sunday night football? I don't know what to expect here. You talk about the total, 36 and a half. The range of outcomes here to me seems so narrow. What I mean is that whoever wins this game is going to win this by such a small margin, and there will be so few points scored in this game that honestly I think my favorite thing to do in this game is tease the Bills up to 8.5 because unless the apocalypse takes place, like how often are the Steelers winning this game by more than 8.5 points? These are two good defenses. I think I favor the Steelers... Uh, a little bit more, but the Bills have an excellent run funnel. They do a terrific job defending the pass, and even if Connor comes back, I don't trust the Steelers to just line up and run the football. On the other side of the ball, Bills' offense has been frisky. Josh Allen's highs have been very high, but the Steelers have a great pass rush, and that's really helped out a not-so-talented secondary uh, make a lot of plays. So, I, like you, somehow can see myself taking the under on 36 and a half. And if I like the under on such a low total, I have to love the Bills as a teaser candidate getting eight and a half. I I don't remember seeing a total this low. So I'm not going to go out there. I haven't been able to check it yet. I didn't have a lot of time today. But to check whether or not this is the lowest total of the season, because it strikes me that it is at 36 and a half. But either way, yeah, I kind of lean towards the under. I, I don't really know if I'd be able to pull the trigger. Teasing the Bills up to eight and a half, I completely agree. It is very difficult to see any scenario where this game becomes, you know, a nine-point game or anything like that. Um, if I'm forced to choose a side right now, and it may be one where I won't be forced to do it, and I'll just do it because I like the side. I kind of like the Bills here. I've been fading the Bills a lot. I kind of have been reluctant to buy into them. The game against the Ravens, man, I, they they were close to tying that thing up and pushing it to overtime. Uh I really think that in the end, it it's something where I think they're going to win this game. And I think they can go in there and win this game. I think they're a better team than the Steelers. I get, you know, that the Steelers don't have much of a pass offense. So the fact that they funnel to the run doesn't really play in their favor. But I agree with you. I don't fully trust James Conner, even if he comes back anyway. If not, it's Benny Snell. So this is not something where I'm excited about the Steelers. So this may be one where I'm just going to bite the bullet and take the Bills getting two and a half. Um, but certainly you make a great point with teasing them up because I cannot see the Steelers being able to beat them by that much under any plausible scenario. Let's get to our final game here. Colts at the Saints. Saints laying nine and a half. That's up from eight, which I saw just yesterday. A total of 45 and a half. I would not want to be the Colts right now. They're banged up with no T.Y. Hilton, who probably won't return for this one. They're now down Paris Campbell. There's no Eric Ebron. The magic looks to be running out. And now a game against the Saints in primetime in New Orleans. Off a loss. The Saints are dealing with some injuries to the defense, but they're obviously strong. The offense showed that it's right there. How do you feel here? Saints laying 9.5, total at 45.5. Yeah, referencing the banged-up defense there, uh, Rankins left the game with an ankle injury against yep. the Niners, and Jared Cook suffered a concussion as well. How many times do we have to see the Saints 
do this at home before it becomes a quality that we can assign to them with frequency. Uh, I think I have to like the Colts in this spot. I remember the first week of the season, uh, they were touchdown favorites against the Texans. Nearly lost outright. Last last year, same spot to open the season. Big favorites against the Bucks Did lose outright. The Saints are just not the team that we've been used to seeing over these last couple of years. Last week, a total anomaly. Uh, scoring that many points, specifically against a good defense, a defense as good as San Francisco's. Uh, I don't trust the Saints to push the ball downfield, extend leads. Uh, Alvin Kamara is somehow playing worse than Latavius Murray. Like, every Kamara call was a negative outcome for the Saints last week, which is just astounding. So, yeah, I I trust Frank Reich. I trust Jacoby Brissett. I think the Colts can do enough. And worst-case scenario, I think the back door will be open for this offense. I think nine and a half is too high for the Saints team. So... For me, it really does depend a lot on Rankins uh, and somewhat on Cook as well, because I think their run defense is dramatically better when Rankins is in there. And if he's not there, then I think the Colts are going to be able to effectively run Marlon Mack, which is really all they want to do at this point, because, you know, there's pretty much other than Zach Pascal there and, you know, Jack Doyle, you know, Ebron is gone. There's nobody for Jacoby Brissett to throw the ball to at this point. I don't see them being able to put up a lot of points or to keep it close so long as Rankins is in there. If he's out, yeah, this is a game I'm probably going to stay away from. I'm not back in the Colts. The Saints are going to be angry, man. They are going to come out there. And there's going to be a Kamara game where he's going to go nuts. There just has to be. He hasn't really been playing all that bad. A lot of it has been the lack of touchdowns. He played terribly this last game against the 49ers. But I do think at some point he's going to go boom. I think they're angry. I think they need a win. I just, you know, depending on the injury, it's a lot of points. But if Sheldon Rankins plays, I think I'd probably take the Saints so long as we're under 10. I I think the Colts are going to be the sharper side. I think they're going to get the money. But for me, I'm okay laying the points because I do think this is going to be a game where the Saints are going to be angry and they're going to take down the Colts. That's going to do it for today's show, Rich. It was really great having you back on. Remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work. Yeah, you can check out the Gridiron Gamble podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Gamble. We tweet out all our picks. We rib each other. And yeah, enjoy the last couple weeks of the season with us. Thanks. All right, man. You enjoy the last couple of weeks as well. Let's go Jets on Thursday night. Hopefully that uh, you and I can both witness our boys put up a monster upset over there. Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Remember to download the BetMGM Sports app and use the promo code Harris to get your risk-free first wager of up to $500. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com for your chance to win a signed Michael Thomas Saints helmet. We will be back later this week giving you some of our best bets for week 15. I'll talk to you then.